This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. What cult did you grow up in? Wow, what a topic. Anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, one thing that Lance and I did before... <laughs> are you confused into clarity yet? Um, he gave me a drink that had CBD in it. And he was saying that you'll really feel it. And I was like, do I really feel it? Do I really feel when I take CBD? Which then I thought, what an organic opportunity to communicate about the main sponsor thus far for the Breaking Room podcast, which is Ned CBD, one farm from Colorado, hemp-derived, beyond organic practices, Using mountain water and biannual beats and all kinds of crazy conscious tools, check them out. I've had we've had so many testimonies pour in that if you want to, if you haven't ordered any CBD yet, whether it's for your skin for a massage, I loved using it that way, or whether it's for a tincture before going to sleep, I love using it that way, or whether it's some lip balm to make your lips extra CBD skis, I love using it for that. Then go to hellonead.com/breakingnormal. Put in the code breaking normal before checking out and get 15% off your first order. Come on, Daniel. That was a good commercial. That's good. I want to give myself a pat on the back for that because I, I guess it's easy to promote something I believe in. Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Ned, for making that possible. And, um, yeah, what cult did you grow up in? I'm so thankful that Lance dropped in for this. And, uh, yeah, the, we got to – what cult are you growing up in is the question. What culture are you growing up in? Are you choosing that culture? Are you procuring that culture? Or are you just geographically fl- uh, drifting into that culture? If you're choosing the culture, uh, definitely take me up on that opportunity about Patagonia. Uh, I go into it right in to the conversation with Lance because it's so relevant. But I'm going to plant that seed. I want to just kind of till the soil for this planting in that seed. This is a big deal for what's about to happen in Patagonia. So hold on to your horses. I even think that the founder, hey, Rhett, are you listening? If anyone's li- also check out that episode with Rhett from Hello Ned. Uh, Rhett, if you're listening, I'll see you in Patagonia potentially. Come on. I'll see you with so many other epic people that are ready to design the strongest tribe as fast as possible, the best place in the world, the best time to be there. Here we go. Let's go. But let's talk to Lance first. Peace and y'all. All right, y'all. I think this is maybe going to be episode number 67. Wow. If that is significant to you, Lance Stukaloff. It is. I was making sure I, the pronunciation of his last name. You mentioned that it was Americanized because originally it was Stukalov with a V. Correct. Yep. Where were the, meaning the origins would be from? That would be, that was Ukrainian. Okay. Because I think Eisenman was originally two ends. Okay. And then the Americanized the version is Eisenman. And there might have been even a Z or a J instead of an I. Probably a few silent. Depending on, yeah, which family it's from. Anywho, we're here in Encinitas, California. I find myself here, like, it was a game-time decision in Sedona, Arizona after our recent tribe design, and our good friend Raj, who lives in Encinitas, someone suggested the idea of us coming here and staying with them, him and Mary Catherine, and yeah, it was like, that was the easiest yes. And Encinitas is definitely a place that I judge to be with the word ease. And I'm in the midst of 
a huge project that's in my heart about raising capital for this app with this countdown that I'm on. That I've actually, uh, I would say, confided and sought mentorship and guidance and partnership and ideas with about with Lance. And Lance was spoken about. Did you listen to the episode with David? I did. I listened to about 30 minutes of it. Did you get to hear how you were referenced? Yeah, I remember he referenced how young I looked <laughs> and that conversation that we had in JP's backyard about, yeah, just him being surprised and curious about me. Well, I'm going to do a little like vortex inception of Breaking Normal podcasting because some people I think listen there. Someone said they listened to every episode and I was oh, like, wow. wow, what a journey that <laughs> must be because it's been such a journey for me. So for the people that are long-time listeners of the short life of the Breaking Normal podcast thus far. One of the episodes was with a guy named David Gonzalez from Austin, Texas. That I love that. That episode was so significant and still so significant to me. And But Lance came up in it. And the reason Lance came up in it was because when I first met David, he was first meeting Lance at JP's house in Austin. And David was very, I would say, to the point with his communication about asking how young you were and about how you have obtained so much money or how you are, you're in the, how so much money is in your hands at such a young age. And I, that moment caught me because, um, and which is so relevant to me fundraising for the Breaking Normal app is that money is one of the most sensitive taboo topics and subjective and personal topics in the world and um i guess i'd be curious right off the bat with that what why do you think that is and how do you what's your relationship with money sure sure um well first off as far as it being taboo and sensitive um probably a lot of reasons there but i think there's such a weight put on it as like this is a marker or measure of who you are, like how much money do you have? And that's propagated by a lot of different things, the media, um, advertising, things like that, having money for status, all of that's built into a lot of their messaging. Um, even if it's not outright, very subliminally. So that's, that's what, how, kind of how it has arrived there. But the, as far as other like speaking with other people, I feel like the thing, especially in my life that I found is like, it's something that you only talk about with certain people, like people who understand it. And this, this maybe wasn't the question you're asking, but I, I like to only speak about it with people who understand what it really is, which is a kind of a measure. I see it as a measure of the value you're providing, the measure of how much you are being yourself and expressing your gifts and your creativity and being rewarded for that essentially. Awesome. Yeah. I'm happy I asked. So yeah, it's uh you're right. Definitely taboo. It's been taboo for me. I mean, my relationship with it has changed very dramatically. Um, and it's, it, as you kind of alluded to it's a big aspect of my life given the work that I'm in which is providing funds funding for um, real estate projects primarily and that's branching out into other type projects things like you're working on apps and businesses 
things of that nature. But in the end, it's, yeah, it's really just a measure of value and probably a better word is trust. Other people trusting in your ability to provide them with whatever you're, you say you can or whatever you're producing. Well, cool, cool. Yeah, that's, um, as you know, me, I talked to you about investing in the app. And I've literally have, I feel like some people have gotten mad at me for asking for so little money. Mm. I mean, I've gotten people that seem mad at me for asking for so much money, mm-hmm. and I, it's it's been such a treasure to go on whatever amount of money we raise for the app, that the value that I'm receiving by going on the journey of asking for money, basically, mm-hmm. is whew, valuable beyond money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And it's it's fun to just know that you are involved in that world in a way. It's it's I definitely associate it close to being magical as a way as in a way as well like in the, with the element of magic. And there's a lot to talk about with you. Um, <laughs> one thing is I gotta make this announcement. I gotta make this announcement because Lance has been to an international tribe design the one in Maui mm-hmm. and that's where we first when we did the first introduction we used the Breaking Normal app to do the introduction do you remember that? right I do yeah okay awesome that's just full circle today I officially got the announcement from the crowdfunding regulation site that I can now announce the perk with seven days left so whenever we uh, it's basically like I think by October 1st this deal is over but there's an opportunity to invest in the Breaking Normal app a minimum of $108 with a credit card even, except if you're from Canada or the UK. And now one of the perks is not only getting equi- the equivalent equity in the app, but it actually can go towards a future international tribe design. And we also have coincidentally found out that we are committing to Patagonia January 3rd for four nights. So anyone that is feeling the call, basically reach out to us and invest in that. And I'll put that in the show notes. It's the link to the Start Engine account. And if you invest 2020, you got a ticket to the Patagonia event. If you invest 3300 you got two tickets to the Patagonia event. And you got the, the uh, those amount of shares in the Breaking Normal app. And the Breaking Normal app's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to me. It's a big, it's like, to me, what we're doing right now is a form of the Breaking Normal app that there's not an itinerary for what we're supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's from, I don't know about for you, but whatever is like tickling my heart, that's my cue for when to speak and to not filter it, just to let it, like, me be a vessel to it. And that's what the Breaking Normal app is about. And if you have an iPhone, there's the bare bones version of it to download, and um, you can test it out. It puts you on the spot to ask life's to answer life's biggest questions in 30 seconds or less, one take, no filters, no edits. And there's a social media version to that, and there's a game that's meant to be played in person. And that's how we introed the Maui International Tribe Design was playing that game aloud. Right. I don't know if you remember anything about that, or it, I do. Yeah. It, yeah. It was it was a great intro to the the whole experience because. Obviously, as it was designed by you, and I imagine you came up with the majority of the questions, and that's kind of what the rest of the retreat was like. And that was kind of, yeah, it was just a good intro into 
the the questions that you ask that those things that you mentioned they're kind of under the surface I think a, a lot of people feel that like you're walking around all day and there's something there's some main thing on your mind or a few things that you want to say but a lot of times you don't get into conversations where you can say them and so questions like the app asks or that you are great at asking um, bring those things out mm. that you people want to share but they would maybe they'd tell you they don't want to share but really deep down they do <laughs> We were just talking about this last night over dinner, the, the most ironic part about the exercise we typically do next, and we probably did it in Maui, which is what we usually do in the beginning is asking everyone everything they don't want to sh- mm. they anything they don't want us to know to share that. Yeah. And last night we were talking about the paradox of how, well, isn't that what they really want to share? Yeah. So it's synchronous for you to bring that up. Definitely. Is it possible, is it possible, I'll ask this to you, do you think most people are walking around most of the time with a deep unconscious craving to share their deepest secret to anybody and everybody freely at any time? I would say maybe not everyone. There's probably people who feel it more strongly depending on what that secret is. Um, Because I don't think there's a lot, I'm sure there are people out there who don't have like something massive that they're, they've kept down or stuff down, but I'd say a, a good percentage, maybe 67% <laughs> like that have, number. <laughs> have that, uh, something on their mind that they wish they could just put out there and may, they want to get to the place where it's not something that they're holding on to, but they're, they're a little afraid of the, the part where you actually have to let it out. Yeah, I would imagine it's what's usually referenced as like the shadow or like the mask. What's the mask? And um, I, a lot of people, when we first do that exercise, they think they they don't have anything to share, and then they're reminded. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I remember things that I'm like that I don't remember clearly. I'm like, wait a minute, I think I may have blacked out of memory a little bit. Yeah. And this, I I think I'm wanting to talk to you about these topics because I think it's something that you're very familiar with. Um, one. Because Lance has not only been to a tribe design, which in a way is like cult sh- a conscious cult design, yeah. that the, one of the topics I wanted to talk about was this idea that you may have been part of a cult at one point. Yeah, uh, grew up in what could be viewed as a cult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to talk about what a cult is. What else could be viewed as a cult? Yeah. But um, so people know that. I would love to know like golden thread of what you mean by that. What? Yeah. Certainly. So. I grew up in rural Montana. In That's a, the download train. There it is. Here we go. Get ready. Hold on to your horses, guys. We're in Montana. All right, buckle up. So, yeah, I grew up in rural Montana, southern Montana, near Yellowstone Park, in a community, a spiritual community, New Age community. And it was a beautiful ranch that the community owned, thousands of acres, uh, right outside of the park. They actually had purchased it from Yellowstone Park. So it was parkland. Uh, previously and there were cattle and crops and uh, forest land right on a river the banks of the Yellowstone River Hmm. and it was a community called the Summit Lighthouse or the it has two names it was called Church Universal and Triumphant that's like the the religious organization and then their publishing name is the Summit Lighthouse and there were about 1,500 to 2,000 people there living there um, when I was born. So I was born into it. Were you born on the land there? No, I, they had to, they, 
wanted me to be, but I there were some complications, and I had to be born in a hospital, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Which hospital do you remember? Uh, Livingston, Livingston Memorial Hospital, Livingston, <laughs> Montana. Um, and was there hot springs in this water? Because I'm thinking, like, if this seems like rel- from yeah. the bird's eye view, not too far from, like, the Boiling River, yeah. river area. Yeah, yeah, it's about 10 miles from Boiling River. And there is another hot springs. It's called the Duke, and it co- it's on the ranch's land, and they own it. And they've actually built in the last year, year and a half, they built a pool there. So there's a hot springs. They pipe the water all the way from the source. It comes out into the side of the river and they piped it down like a, a mile or so and have built a pool. Is that available for the public? To yeah. eat? Oh, okay. That's definitely for the cult of tribe design. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is definitely, I've gotten very clear because that's been a big talk. Like, why don't we live like this why don't we live in community by design and hold each other accountable to be awesome why is it just a once a year retreat yeah four times a year yeah exactly and i've come to the conclusion that i want to have a source of water right on the property absolutely with multiple dwellings where people can have their privacy and there's like a shared space so it sounds like this group is doing that yeah and this is, is this still going on it is it's a much smaller than it was um so it, when I was born, basically the the organization was founded by a couple, a husband and wife, the Prophets. Their last name was actually Prophet, Mark and Elizabeth Prophet. And w- when I was born, the husband, Mark, had passed away. So it was being run by, or the leader was uh, Elizabeth Prophet. And she so passed. How close are you when you you were born and then the leader passed away? Uh, I was. I was 12, I think. You were 12, okay. Yeah, 11 to 12 years. So she passed away in the early 2000s, and then... He did or she did? She did. Uh, oh, so first he passed he away? He passed away in the 80s, I think. When you were around earlier. 12? Before I was born. Oh, before you and were she, born. Yeah, so when okay. when we, it was in Montana, he was no longer around. But he had, he had started it. It began on the East Coast. Uh, are you familiar with Theosophy? <sighs> Maybe, but not It's, it's like the... It's a... It's basically the study of all the world's religions. It's like, let's look at all the world's religions and let's try to find like the, the common truth or what's really going on underneath all of this. So great premise. Um, and so it was like an offshoot of that. And it started in Virginia, I believe, in like the 40s or 50s. And then they moved it to Malibu. They actually had a huge ranch in Malibu for many years. And then when the husband passed away, the wife moved it to Montana in like the late 80s before I was born. Okay, wow. And then she passed away when you were around 12? She passed around passed away when I was around 12 and then it kind of fizzled out a bit from there and the different people kind of raised their hand and said like oh I'm the leader now, I'm the leader. So there's a there's a schism. Wow. And some splinter groups broke off, but so it still exists the, the ranch is still there. They still have the land. Um but it's a lot fewer people live there. It's not 1,500. It's probably more like 200. Okay. <laughs> and it, so it still operates. Sounds like there's room for expansion. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's where I grew up. So I, I grew up there in this rural valley. I mean, you've been there. Uh, I've been in this valley. area. This is basically the area where Breaking Normal was birthed. This is the area that I partnered with a writer, if anyone doesn't know this, and I spent a month in Montana 
speaking to him, and he was actually studying to be a spy. Oh wow! So he literally <laughs> spied on me and 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 partnered with me, and I kept speaking the book into voice notes, and he would write it in voice notes, and I would edit it, voice notes, voice notes. And then like a year later, we spent a month together though in uh, that area. Uh, we had a, a place called Angels Landing, uh, perched on top of it, like a miniature mountain surrounded by bigger mountains i mean there's mountains everywhere in that area and uh we had a great spot and it was between bozeman and livingston and we drove into Nat- yellowstone quite a bit yeah and i would just get it's, it's, it's like close to the source of inspiration i feel like yellowstone's so active right. but yeah like i see how a conscious community could thrive mm. in that area we actually did a Rob Rouse retreat later in Paradise Valley, too. Oh, really? So, yeah, this area is a hot spot, literally and uh, spiritually yeah. in all aspects. It's very special. It's a very special area. It definitely is, yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah, I, for, I forgot you had written your book there in Paradise Valley. That's where it was really, like, started. It was, like, conceived there, and then it was birthed here. And Encinitas is where Davina was birthed. Right. Yeah, this is my birthing area. This is like the, I don't know, where do, where do you, are you here to birth something? Because you're living in the area of Encinitas right now. Yeah, I was ready to birth something. <laughs> um, yeah, th- yeah, definitely there's a lot of things I'm working on. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe that's what I came for, that the birthing energy. Yeah, now, I'm, now that I'm saying this out loud, it's fascinating to me. I'm here like the last part of this birthing of the fundraising for the oh, app yeah, and you're back here and i'm here all yeah. of a sudden and it's so crazy because i'm having so much like so much time time moments remembering when i was walking davina up and down the street but she was like half the size and right she, and now she's i running. just ohm her to sleep and now yeah now, oh my gosh she's at the grocery store probably dancing <laughs> and singing time's a trip Sure is. So on that, I'm going to keep kind of birthing my th- this Patagonia thing. Yeah, I, first cool. of all, I don't know if you're interested. You're asking about it. I'd love for around it to New Year's. Ke- yeah, uh, well, we got some New Year's plans, but um, I'll say something about the, the last one, the one I did go to in Maui. That was the one right after New Year's, January third, I think it began. I I believe yeah, that's exactly and, right. Lumeria. And that last year, I guess was that last year. 2018. I trust it wasn't. I yeah, think it was, was two years ago. It was 2018. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, the last year was like the the wildest, most amazing, like epic year of my life. And that retreat like kicked all of that off. So for anyone who's considering going, the I'll just put that out there. Like that retreat was a catalyst for so much, so many amazing changes and like personal growth in my life that probably wouldn't have happened had I not gone there definitely wouldn't have happened because I ended up here afterwards because of you were here and all the other people who lived here as well so it was uh yeah that like made my 2018 it was right at the start (laughs) I have this like like joke that feels very edgy for me but that like that means a lot from a man that came is coming from a cult in a way <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like, and I'm, I mean that, and I'm like, man, that could that just sounds harsh because there's so much appreciation behind that. But that's like the joke I want to make. Yeah, well, it's like, um, yeah, I'm a, I could be considered a connoisseur of cults. I've seen some of the 
the best of them. Yeah, and that's why I want to continue down this rabbit trail of this, I guess, cult or right. So far, it sounds like a, yeah. a utopian society right. in Paradise Valley in Montana, but I would love to expound upon this because I, my um, intention, I think, with this communication is to like paint the golden thread of like a yin yang of or a yin yang of the fine line between like a cult and a company and a church and a religion and mm. what what the tabooness around the word cult and what kind of cult people may be in or may not be in and how would they know if they are or not absolutely so i this sounds like a fascinating case study yeah well i guess we should start by defining cult yeah, yeah, please, if you have any input on that, I'd love to hear it. Well, I mean, cult, I mean, this is just short for culture, really. And a culture is like anything, any sort of group that is kind of abiding by similar principles, I would say. Like they have a shared belief or they have a shared interest in something. So, I mean... by that definition could be pretty much any group like any group that's into something like you're into mountain climbing that's that's a culture mountain climbing culture you're into surfing that's a culture you're into basket weaving culture things like that or it could be a lot of times where i think the negative connotation of cult comes in is when it's focused on a particular individual where it's like there's some guru and we're going to listen to this person and everything that they say and they're they are the the authority in our life for everything and that's that's where kind of like the negative part of aspect of it comes in but yeah, i totally resonate with that by the way i've I, I that we could go down so many aspects of the definition of a cult but i love what you said and i love how you painted the shadow side that's what i associate with the shadow side of a cult as well is when people start like trading their truth right it's like you give up your power and that 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 in the, to one into one person that's like to think that to idolization in other words mm. yeah i agree that's the kind of the cue that like wait a minute is this cult going to the dark side right right anywho so i think you're i just wanted to add my uh affirmation to that sentiment and definition definitely Uh, so yeah, I mean, as far as that community, um, I mean, could definitely be considered a cult. And this was like pretty soon after there's the, I know you're familiar with like the Osho cult. Have you seen that, that I watched I love that that? documentary. Yeah. I love it. So this was like pretty soon after that. And actually the arc, the community, so kind of the history of it goes, it was in Malibu, the big ranch in Malibu. The husband passes away, and so the the, the wife d- decides to move it to Montana. So they buy the land and move everyone up there. And the, the idea really was, like, let's create our own community, kind of what they already had going on in Malibu. But Malibu's so close to L.A., uh, you're getting influenced by a lot of, like, outside energy. There's, I think there was a little bit of friction with the, the government, things like that. So it's like, okay, let's go somewhere even further from civilization where we can kind of just do our own thing. Yeah, and this is what probably sparked this conversation. Is I I was reading when I talked to Lance last. I was in the midst of this book called Influence by Robert Caladini, Mm. and he was studying how like influence works. And one of the elements was that removing a group of people from their general environment is a big key. If that's possible, that's a a way to influence people, and that's like the 
crazy thing with the Kool-Aid story. Yeah. I don't remember everyone's names with that, but that right. was a, he was arguing that was a major element of how that happened was that because they were in a jungle far removed from their current reality. Right. And then I was talking about another part of it where he was studying this group of people that got influenced that the world was coming to an end and they were getting, they were going to get taken away from aliens and flying saucers and, the belief wasn't really as publicly affirmed until after that didn't happen. Mm. And when he was studying the trippy dynamics of that, how when someone trades in their whole identity into this other belief, they'll, when it doesn't look publicly affirmed, they'll be more likely to defend it and become attached to it. Right. Super trippy, super trippy. So I don't know if this fits into the scenario with the group, that you were born into, but I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, I think uh, like, so moving, a, moving a community some to somewhere isolated could be seen in that light. And it could also be viewed. So that, like the yin and the yang, it's like, it can be viewed as a negative thing. Like, Hey, we're moving you to then recreate your reality and make you more inclined to follow us. Or we're going to get away into nature and commune with, the divine within in a place where it's more that's more uh, conducive to that Montana than rather than being so close to uh, Los Angeles. Oh yeah. I definitely, as a um, cult leader, <laughs> I definitely Malibu and Montana are both great places for that. And uh, um, I could see the move from Montana, the, the move to Montana always being a good idea. <laughs> yeah. For many reasons. Definitely. So, you want me to continue with the, yeah, the story? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm like almost looking to unravel this in a yeah, personal, just, what's most personal is most universal type of detective way. Definitely, yeah. We can go through the whole journey. So, so yeah, the, the community's there. And back to like what it is, like theosophy is the study of the world's religions and belief systems, trying to find like the common truth within underlying all of it um but the this unique flavor of it was that the the leaders and when i was born the the wife elizabeth prophet was channeling so she was channeling ascended masters and so um bringing in those bringing through those messages from higher beings and that was a main component of it and, and that was what that sparked it to the, back to that book the lady that was influenced these people that the, the flying saucers were going to get them mm. was channeling aliens mm. they, they were he she was directly chan allegedly mm. and that's so that is a common thread to this right influence of people that you're channeling a higher power and i would say i've a lot of books start that way they're like I know they give the disclaimer that they mm -hmm. don't, and that's um, an edgy, to me it's an edgy explanation because I'm, I'm, I guess I get concerned to how easily that could be leveraged. Definitely. Yeah. Cause yeah, if it's a higher power, it's like, who are you to question a higher power? Exactly. Who are you even to question that the higher power is not being channeled through you right now if right. you really believe it? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's so as far as like our community that there was the channeling aspect of it, but there was also a major part of the theosophy. And I guess it was more closely aligned with the I am movement is the idea that we are we are all we could all be channeled. We are all channeling. We all have higher selves. We are all part of God. And so 
it what there was less of that like I'm the authority I'm the one with that's talking with God and more of I'm one who is doing it and so can you and here's how to get in touch with that well it all still sounds pretty good to me yeah yeah <laughs> especially so, on a hot spring I'm like oh definitely <laughs> so yeah it was an amazing place so that's going on and there they set it all up I don't know how many years it took to probably like three or four to move everyone up there and get the the village all set up but it was it had previously been a ranch so there were like barns and buildings already there and so they took it over there's a big kitchen area living spaces for everyone um yeah the barns and the warehouses were still there so and then they kept operating it as a a working farm so there was all kinds of crops being grown and cattle and everything. I wonder if that's a government loophole too to have it called a farm for people to live in community. Do you know Potentially, about that? Yeah. yeah, it would make sense because the, the government was definitely well aware of it and in, even involved in it because the the land was actually purchased from the government. Mm-hmm. So and there was a, a a bit of friction with the government uh, back then because I mean as you can imagine, over a thousand people who are aligning with uh, a new age spiritual community show up in some rural valley in Montana. And there was already a town there. There's a small town called Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, really like a, a tourist town, not much going on except in the summertime. But uh, all of a sudden all these people show up and the, the population of your valley doubles. And they're it's over there. so much like the wild, wild country yeah. story. I've, we referenced the documentary. I just want to make sure people know which one we're referencing. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're at, anyways, I, I could go down that rabbit trouble. This sounds very similar to that story. Definitely. So there's like seeming to be some sort of like collective archetypal experience that you were immersed in. Definitely. And yeah. I, you keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to my seat. Yeah. Well, so to make, to add to the synchronicity, the, a lot of the equipment that was on the property was actually purchased from the Osho community. Okay. So there, I can't remember if it was like a truck or like a forklift or something, but there was something that like had their, the name of their community said like Osho something, something. And it was right written right on it. Well, and that gets, then that gets to the rabbit trail of like, um, an, an inanimate object holding a certain energy. Oh yeah. Do you believe in that? Do you believe like if, are you, yeah. What's your belief around that? I think if, I believe that if you believe it does, then it, it does for you. And what about for yourself? Would you be more likely to – are you a collector of eclectic items that may come from a personal history more so than, like, factory-made? I do, but very few. I like to – I don't like to collect them. I would say there's probably – no, you know what? Really, I can't think of any that I've had for more than – maybe back at home, like at my parents' place – that I've had, for, but not that I like bring with me. So no, not not really a collector because okay, cool. I I've kind of shifted. I used to be. I could I would say in the past like there were definitely like I had things where I was like, oh, this is my lucky crystal or whatever it is, and I'm gonna bring it with me everywhere. But the, as my beliefs and views on things have changed, I can I see that like the value I'm putting in that could be put in anything. Like I rather than having this special rock with me and receiving some sort of comfort or like good feeling from having it i can look out at that tree and say oh that tree is my friend and that it 
that comforts me. But what about the object itself holding like a unique vibrational frequency that mm. it embodies just as like a plant would embody? Do oh, yeah. I, yeah. I believe in that. <laughs> nice. I'm happy we expounded <laughs> upon that. Just a little detail, a little commercial break for <laughs> vibrational frequency. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> so this community and so, yeah, it was set up really to be like let's raise our kids and let's let's live in a way that we want to. And so they set out to do that and especially with regards to children, like when the community was first set up, it was not I think they were explicitly told like don't have kids yet because we need to figure out how things are going to work here and that, that's that, so that's like that to me that's the first definitely gray zone thing. Yeah. Like if I was a part of this experience and yeah. someone said don't have kids yet, I'd be like wait, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> Bro, I'm not like living my life like that right. in a way. Like I'm yeah. not trying to limit my fertility. Right. And I'm. I mean, I wasn't there, so I'm not sure exactly how that was communicated. Because it it could have been like, you know, just like we're laying down the law, like don't have kids or you can't, you're not welcome here. But it also could have been like, we're gonna very thoughtfully plan out our education system and all of this, and let's make sure everyone has adequate housing and whatever before you start having kids. Like. Maybe you, if you do, fine. We'll figure it out. Was there a uh, what was was there a, a general theme or policy on the sexuality of the group? Was it like a, a polyamorous? No, polyamorous. Mostly monogamous. Mostly monogamous. Okay. Um, it's not something that we I've really explored too far with many people who are in it, or even like my parents. Okay. So I don't know. Are your parents still in it when you say that? They're still, yeah, they're definitely still followers of it. Still a part of the broader community. They don't live there on the ranch. Okay. They live somewhere else in Montana, but it's still a community where there's events and people get together and um, practice and, yeah, follow the, the beliefs of the community. Okay. Which are varied and we could go into. Yeah, well, I'm definitely open to explore that. Yeah. So. I'm excited too. Yeah, well, I'll tie up the uh, the children thing because it's an interesting part of like how I grew up. So basically, for however it was communicated, people were told not to have kids because we're gonna get a school system set up. We're gonna make sure like everything's stable and set here. And then it so that point came, and then it was like, all right, you can have kids now. And so everyone had kids within like this a few months of when I was born. So there there are a lot of children around the same age of me, like the same year same six months really so it was amazing growing up because there's all these children who are really the exact same age and there wasn't there was kind of like a gap there weren't any kids older than us there weren't there were a few who were like much older had probably been born before coming to the community and then there was kind of a gap afterwards where it was like this this wave of children arrived and was there a name for this generation (laughs) the golden ones no (laughs) (laughs) the unnameable (laughs) This is happening. This is happening now. <laughs> um, and the with regards to being like raising children there, they were very. They were all about Montessori schooling. My mom was a Montessori teacher, so they set up a Montessori school system. So was your mom like the leader of this the school system? She was a teacher within it. Awesome. Yeah. It's so funny. Deanna was talking about Montessori today with the, about Davina because oh, yeah. Davina's she's, she's ready to rock, man. Yeah. She's talking and walking and playing tricks and all that. Anywho, yeah. Well, I highly encourage that or support that the Montessori. Yeah, Montessori. I mean, all the like Steiner, all the kind of alternative schools. They all have their own unique 
flavor, but I really enjoy Montessori and really benefited from it. So yeah, it sounds like another win of the community Definitely. in Montana, but now you're growing up in a Montessori setting, but right. person more on this, this private land. Right. Okay. Exactly. How many kids were you in school with? It wasn't a huge class, probably 20. 20. And that was throughout like most of the grades. I don't even know yeah. what well, they so are in Montessori school. So I, w- I went through their schooling until really only until first grade. And then we started going to a public school nearby. Oh, uh, okay. Cool. The whole group did? like, Or anyone? Yeah. Did? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. So it sounds pretty. Yeah, it was good. It, was it, that, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> sound like too culty to me yet. Yeah. I mean, there, it, there, there are some parts, but yeah. yeah I'm, I'm curious. Is there, is there a side that's like more controversial? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we can go into the controversial stuff. So I, I think like I kind of alluded to it, but like the community just showing up in this area where there were already people living and all of a sudden there's a big spiritual community was pretty alarming for a lot of the longtime residents of Paradise Valley. <laughs> and there, there were a couple of things that went on prior to me being born even that were that drew attention. I mean, the the media in Montana, particularly the Bozeman newspaper, was not fond of the community. So they would write all kinds of stuff. But there were a couple of incidents. I think um, one involved, like, firearms. Like, someone was just getting, bringing in hunting rifles, I guess. And there was some incident, and they, they got, like, confiscated or something like that. So that, then it became, oh, this cult is amassing weapons on their property. And it was like, well, they're hunting rifles and it's we have thousands of acres of land prime hunting land so i don't know but so there was that and then but the probably the major one was they built a so this was like right at the end of the cold war right like the late 80s mm-hmm. and they built a massive nuclear fallout shelter in the side of a mountain so like millions of dollars dug out this whole hillside put in uh, like modular housing and then buried it into the mountainside and it has like huge like star wars style blast doors on it and it's still there and you can go in it. i've been in it and there's like tunnel system connecting all so of you're it. saying millions of dollars are funneled into this project that is it's a housing buried under a mountain it's a yeah it's a nuclear fallout shelter so like in the event there was a nuclear war Wow. Like with Russia. Wow. Then everyone who's a part of the community would have a safe place to go and wow. um, wait it out however long that took. So that was, the, yeah, that was a huge, that was probably the most controversial thing that happened. And it's way, it's way up in the mountains too. It's not like, uh, it's not like you can take the highway and get there. So there were, they were driving semi trucks up like a dirt road into the, way up into the the mountains so i mean that's definitely um rev like (laughs) revealing yeah revealing to some sort of strong belief of someone very important right in this group yeah so which was is there details on that or is yeah well yeah no that that's this is kind of the the more shadowy side of it is that the idea was like it there may be a nuclear war and so we need to prepare for that and so the definitely a lot of fear about that happening um and enough so that they took action to to take care of everyone in the event that that did happen and so everyone kind of got on board with okay 
we need to do this. And I, and I wouldn't say there wasn't also fear amongst a lot of people in America and that at that time to like, that we could be in a nuclear war with Russia. But I would say it was definitely concentrated within the, the community seemingly. Yeah, that is, that's pretty fascinating. That is subtle and strong. And so now someone can go there, like I can go there and visit this old, and like how many people, how many people could this shelter? Um, I mean, I don't know if you could visit, it's still private. Like I, I went inside it because we were able to like, because we were part of the community, but, um, I don't know, maybe they are giving tours now. Uh, but it, it definitely was large enough to like house several hundred people, I think, and had stockpiles of food and everything. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, like full on living quarters and bunks for everyone and kitchens and common areas all of it wow it sounds like like in the future it could be one of those like mysterious ancient ruins <laughs> yeah. like unexplainable a ancient strange ruins. culture lived underground <laughs> in a futuristic sci-fi bunker seemingly right next to a hot springs pristinely placed <laughs> in the best place of nature but Why they chose they underground <laughs> we'll never know but they left behind millions of gallons of dried tapioca pudding that was that there, the dry tapioca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one yeah. I remember when we did explore it, I remember there just being like a big 50-gallon barrel of, we open it up and it's just little tapioca balls. Good choice. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't go to like a mental debate with whoever was planning all this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> and so, I don't blame you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and I don't blame you. <laughs> They really thought it through. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the question that's coming up for me is, I'm, I'll make to see if I can, I'd love to explore this question with you. Is mm. And and, and I definitely, there's more to add to the personal story of this. I want to, like, I don't know how, was there a place, a way that you, like a time that you're like, whoa, I'm not a part of this or that, uh, yeah, yeah, I would like to know that part, the evolution of you from where we talked about till now. Mm. But also like the idea of how does someone, um, do you think like do you think some people don't know they're in a cult and that you think they are? And if there's an example of that, and then vice versa, like people that know they're in a cult and they're an awesome cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely both. Like there are people who like grow up in something or have been. It's all they've known, and it's like this is my operating system. Like this is my reality. So they don't know anything different. So it's hard to see outside of that that uh lens uh but there then there certainly are people who maybe they leave whatever cult like for a lot of people in america especially it's like the christian church or something like that or they grew up catholic or whatever it is and you leave that and then you realize like oh there's all these other groups going on or belief systems and then from there you kind of choose the one you want to be in so you can certainly be aware of it and like choose to be a part of a cult but um, I think uh, especially being the ones that we are born into, are, it's harder to um, be aware of that, especially at an earlier age. Yeah. Are there any cults that you're currently a part of? <laughs> no. You know what? Not really. They're, no. I think since, since like, leave, and I'll go into, like, how I – 
what I've been doing with my life since leaving there. But um, that is interesting because I haven't thought about that. It's almost been like I haven't really joined a lot of things or I haven't become a, or like attached myself to certain things. It's more like I remain just like a free agent or or a lone wolf a lone wolf yeah maybe i mean that's that yeah that is interesting <laughs> that's a good mm. one i'm happy i asked yeah <laughs> <laughs> the but so leaving so when i was 12 the leader passed away and so different splinter groups kind of broke off and uh, people just started moving away, and it became clear that they weren't going to be able to support everyone financially anymore. Uh, so before there was a a, um, a community financial support of sorts? Yeah, it, people were paid for their jobs, and okay. you got housing, and all your meals and everything. It was like a full ecosystem. Wow, wow. Um, but yeah, yeah. When, when it started breaking apart, it was... Uh, it became clear that that wasn't going to be possible. So family started moving and leaving and people realized like by now I had two younger brothers and other families had more children as well. It's like, okay, we got to go somewhere and provide for our families and kind of re reintegrate with the, the rest of the world. And so to kind of paint the picture of leaving a little bit further growing up here, we weren't like we had interaction with the outside world. Like I started going to public school from first grade on, but it was still in very rural Montana, like mm -hmm. pretty isolated. Yeah. That's, a, that's and, a unique town. Yeah. And we didn't really, I wasn't exposed to a lot of uh, the outside world. Like we didn't watch the same TV. We didn't uh, listen to music. I didn't really know anything about. You didn't listen to music? We listened to music, but very specific music. It was a, a very, spiritual community oh yeah what and kind of also music what was the music genre that was so i that there sounds like there's some rigidity yeah. with the, what you could oh, consume as kids certainly yeah so that a big a big aspect of the um belief system was or not even really a belief system but just like the the practices was a focus on sound in particular and they called it the science of the spoken word so the really deep into the understanding of what Re reality is which is everything is vibrational in nature everything is vibrating energy and the sounds that you make and the words that you speak have a great impact upon that which i know is something you're particularly fond of as well and so there was a a form of praying that they called decreeing and so it's very similar to like mantras like you know mantra sanskrit mantras where you're repeating certain words that have hold a certain meaning like om like om yep and but except that there's the decrees as they call them are in english so it's basically like poetry and prayers in english that were channeled or written by people within the group and it was um that was one of the main practices is like the the repetition of these mantras oh uh, so like i pledge allegiance yeah, yeah, kind of like that, <laughs> like pledging allegiance. Did but you pledge the allegiance in the public school? Yeah, yeah, yeah we pledge allegiance. We we in our community we add a little bit at the end, where it's like you pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. But then after that part, you say, "Hail Saint Germain, who's an ascended master." Hail Saint Germain, hail Saint Germain, and so I grew up learning that. And the so the first day of 
public school, we go to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And usually you say the last part very enthusiastically. And so we do the Pledge of Allegiance, and I just bust out at the end, Hail St. Germain, and the entire class is just staring at me like, what? Did you do how many? Did you get to the third one? Where you, oh, like, I got probably like halfway through the second and one. And do you raise your hand when you do it? Or yeah, you, it's kind of like uh, is that how is that? Yeah, how? So like yeah, emphatically, you're just kind of like hail like Saint that. Germain, hail yeah. Saint Germain. After the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? Wow. And wow. The, the reason for that being is in in theosophic um, belief system, Saint Germain is an ascended master who's very who's associated with helping form the United States of America. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of like the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, but well, more like uh, more like mantras. I like they were finding the nooks and crannies of the just the subtleties in a different culture that you grew up in. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. So the, back to the music. Um, so yeah, there there was a, just a general awareness and like deep understanding of the effect that. Uh, sound has on us and the world around us and so as part of that there was certain music particularly um, what they would call rock and roll in the in the community it was like anything that has like a driving beat and is kind of like um, rebellious as like the early rock and roll was is something that you shouldn't really listen to because it, it affects your consciousness in a way that is um, not the best for spiritual development. Well, once again, I'm just like, I don't know if I disagree. Yeah, which, yeah, I mean... It, and and it depends. It is very... It's like any other tool or weapon or medicine or drug. It's like, well, how? who's using it and how right. are they using it? Exactly. Like the intention behind it. And so it was generally like a very, though in practice, it was a very like hard line drawn. And it's just like, we don't listen to that type of music. Like regardless of what the message of the music is, because obviously there's a, there's a lot of music that is very positive and like uplifting and has done great things for people that could be seen as, uh, what they would have called rock music, or yeah, a lot of times, allowed. even even like that rage or that heavy metal can be can be singing a positive message right. in a way. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, and you, sometimes you need that message in that way. Like you're gonna you're gonna break through. You're gonna like bust out of whatever's holding you back, sort of thing. But yeah, so there, we didn't really get exposed to a lot of um, pop music. Or watch a, lo a lot of uh, popular TV shows or movies, things like that. And probably the the biggest, um, so just bringing it back, like I was 12 years old and my parents decided to move to another town in Montana, Helena, the capital. And so we move and all of a sudden we're in what would, for Montana's standards would be considered a large city, a bustling metropolis of 20,000 people. And which to us was crazy. It was, there was so much going on. It was such a big place. And, and we'd traveled, like, it's not like I'd, I hadn't been in populated places before, but it was, it was always for very briefly. Like we, I'd been to California and places like that, but we we're always just passing through and it was never like, this is where we live now. So yeah, we moved from middle of nowhere ranch into the city and 
started going to public school there and was just all of a sudden exposed to like things I'd never really encountered being in a, a public middle school and especially with like the operating system that I had learned. Yeah. Do you remember some of the most jarring things? I think one in particular that really got me was just like how kids interacted with each other. Cause especially in this community, like we, we were taught to be very like supportive and like friendly and nice to everyone. And that doesn't mean that we wouldn't, didn't fight and like kids weren't mean to each other sometimes, but it was on a much milder level and usually was handled very quickly. And like everyone was brought back to like love and compassion pretty swiftly. Um, you weren't experiencing that same level no, of no, care in public all school. Of a sudden, <laughs> quite the opposite. Just being around kids and kind of I mean, the way middle school is or was back then is just like the the main thing is just like let's make fun of other people because then it makes us seem better that is interesting the level of masked insecurity that surfaces in that age as a stereotype hmm. and that might have something to do with create um that you can know, arguably from when i've been if there was a golden thread of the breaking roll podcast that might have something to do with a lack of an initiation mm. um, that maybe cultural, not not cult, but cultural America has like tried to wipe under the rug. It's I guess, I guess there's fraternities, yeah, Boy Scouts maybe. That's Boy yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, did y'all have an initiation for your that that? Uh, the name is just slipping me. Yeah, but the sum, um, we'll call it the Summit Lighthouse. The Summit Lighthouse. Is yeah. there an is there like an initiation for a man and a woman? And oh yeah, yeah. There's like, um, I mean, the, they're more because it was, it was really like an amalgamation of all these different religions. So they're like they still observed a lot of the the Christian traditions as well as like bringing in Hindu stuff and Buddhist and Islam. So that I mean, there was like we did Holy Communion and like the baptism and confirmation. So, but, so there was nothing really out of the ordinary that you wouldn't find elsewhere. There wasn't like a unique initiation. There wasn't like go unique to this community. Yeah. Go run out in the woods tonight without any clothes and just yeah. this knife and come back in a week. Definitely. None of that. Yeah, okay. that I would have liked that though. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. That that seems to be a common thread of a lot of the, like the underlying issues of the conversations that Breaking Normal Podcast has addressed, mm. and it was especially highlighted in the conversation in Parangi. Mm. It's like this potential lack of um, aligned initiation. Right. Definitely. And I, in the context of what I experienced, I what I think the a good initiation would have been is, um more of like an like when we moved from this kind of utopia of where I grew up to the the real world the rest of the world there had been some more context around kind of that shift like this is I didn't really know much about the rest of the world at that point it was like this is our community this is what we have everything else out there is like unknown and it, if there had been some context around like a, it's almost like an, an, I don't know what the ceremony would have been or the initiation, but like, this is w how we relate to the outside world rather than like we don't know anything about that. Here we're gonna put you in that. That would that would have been a, 
a great initiation or the initiation I would have wanted. That's yeah, that's so fascinating because you went from because because what's coming up for me even in that is that I I think I've continuously undergone that initiation even thinking about going to Argentina I'm like mm-hmm. wow. I'm going to expose myself and be exposed to a whole new way of thinking. Mm. And that, I, I don't know if that initiation ever ends in a way. That's true. Depending on the courage of the individual to explore. Right. Yeah, most people stop pushing in that direction <laughs> pretty early. And I think, yeah, I do think that if there's not any offered, because some kids, everything, you know, everything is new all the time, but it's especially obvious for children. So are we offering children something like new and expansive to grow or just easier to, to control them? Right. Well, I think for the much of the world, the answer is it's easier to control them or we've set up steps by which they have to go through step by step like the education system and regardless of what they're prepared for or what they want to do or what they have an interest in Mm. the here's your initiation is a slightly different version of what you were initiated into last year yeah that's it's it's tricky because i i I love that you were part because the community that you were part of sounds like one of the best if i had to judge whatever has been judged as a cult that sounds like one of the best cults i've ever heard of yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty great, and I I think especially yeah, like looking back now, and even like talking to people about it, like we've been doing, that there was so much gr- great stuff about it, and I th- for a while, um, I didn't view it that way. Like I saw it as I was upset that it's how I had grown up, and I was frustrated with it, or I didn't even understand it. And I th- a lot of that has to do with the fact that the beliefs system that they held was very um, complex. It involved a lot of different religions and it involves understanding the vibrational nature of things. It was all about consciousness and the ascension of consciousness. And it's like, those are people came into this community with some sort of background in that, or they'd been seeking for a while, but when you're born into it and there's no real context for these ideas, it's like, I don't quite, you're, you're saying consciousness, but I don't quite grasp what that means. Cause I don't have like the, I don't know enough or have concepts of that. All the things that led you up to the, the under your understanding of what is consciousness and what is, um, the vibrational nature of reality. Like I have no previous things to build on to you're help me that other that. people outside of your group. That's how they would experience what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that that's what I experienced is later on where it was like, there were things that I grew up believing and like knowing where, where later on I realized like, Oh, I have no idea what that was. I was. It was just a thing that was in my life. And now I'm learning about it for the first time. Oh, okay. Like me, like meaning consciousness as an example. Yeah, like I definitely think of immediately. That is a story that I common here. I would commonly hear in church and like a Christian church is like, I grew up with the, concept of jesus but now i really understand jesus right and you're saying that that for the same thing but for consciousness right yeah <laughs> anyway, okay. yeah so just yeah just different concepts different vocabulary um but that that so that's been like part of my journey is just re like relearning or re-exploring everything that i grew up uh, being taught and believing in and having as a major aspect of my life and like really 
looking at it again and seeing like, oh, okay, now I understand like what we were doing or how this, why they were doing this or why we believe this. It all makes more sense. Well, it's like on that concept of conscious cult building or tribe design or the culture code. Have you heard of this book, the culture yeah. code? Did you read that one by I chance? I haven't read it. I've heard of it. Yeah, it, it was like this guy. From my understanding, he studied like w- what is the golden thread of cultures that or groups of people that are thriving and synergizing mm. versus the opposite. Mm. And it's pretty fascinating, and it was very affirming to tribe design. <laughs> yeah, very affirming, like. One of the main examples he gives right off the bat is um, you may have heard like the marshmallow experiment where Mm. you give a set of noodles, a marshmallow, and a few strings and a few other tools, and the race is to build the biggest tower with the marshmallow on top in the shortest period of time. And they timed them, and they did it with a group of – like many groups of uh, CEOs, lawyers, and people that just graduated business school and kindergartners, Mm. and the results were resounding in the favor like the the winning group by far was the kindergartners and it's because they they follow a certain code that doesn't revolve around status Mm. and more about being authentic Mm. and yeah i'm this is a big deal for me this concept this studying the art of tribe design or culture design and it seems like you you grew up in a unique one definitely is it what what about you? do you have any um key things like if you were a, a major player in government currently or ways to cult- upgrade the design of our current culture any concepts we would like to popcorn in here before our time ends yeah um i mean i think a big takeaway for me was just the idea of um I mean, it's allowing people to, and like guiding people and helping people follow their passion. And that's, that's something that was present in the community to a certain extent and something that could have been more present. And and in other cultures I've come across and things like that, it's like it should be set up in a way where people are supported in finding out what they really want to do and what they, what they do best and allow helping them do that and rewarding them for doing so essentially however that looks whether it's through policy or the way the education system is set up or different programs for helping people get started in whatever things it's like they're there's so like we we're so abundant in resources and like information that everyone could be doing what they loved easily and it would in a way where everyone would thrive essentially like people think about if everyone was just doing what they want we'd all be sitting on half of us would be sitting on the beach doing nothing and how would everyone be taken care of and it's like that's not what would happen like no people might sit on the beach for a day or a week but you're gonna get tired of it and there's something that is your passion and there is a way to get everyone doing things that they love and really enjoying life and to like encourage them and support them in that. Um, so yeah, it'd be something around there. That's pretty broad, but just generally the idea of supporting and allowing other people to, to follow their passion and like helping them, encouraging them, whether that's, 
um, doing things like you do, like helping them break through whatever it is, holding them back or keeping them in fear of doing that thing. Yeah, I mean, what you're, I'm, I'm loving what you're saying because it does kind of way, in a way, describe the ethos of tribe design. <laughs> that 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 is a design. The community is designed by holding each other accountable to be the best version of themselves, which is tricky. That's a fun art, but that is that's like the one experience that came to mind when you were saying that, and I totally agree. I'd love the idea of going to like sending Davina to a school where she's me around a group of kids that are her age and beyond her age, younger and older that are training each other to be the best versions of themselves. And that's like yeah. the subject. Yeah. That, yeah, that's amazing. And, um, <laughs> didn't mention that, but like given the, the educate, how I grew up and how I was schooled and just like learning from that and then seeing, going over to public school and like seeing how, um, really crushing that was in a lot of ways like almost soul crushing it seems like a very heavy term for it but that's looking back that's like the only way I can describe it is like I saw that my personal transition from like being full of creativity and like energy and just like loving life and loving learning really and like that curiosity and then going into public school and like a few years in like that that energy kind of carried forward but being a few years in just like the total opposite just like totally depressed like so just dreading school hating it so that's something that I'm really passionate about and I want to get into eventually is like education and really making sure that um primarily my children and like my friend's children and like everyone's children don't have to go through that and they can be in an environment and in a system that supports them blossoming yeah i'm happy you're on that team um yeah i think i've done one of like the if anyone youtubes the breaking normal news flashed the domestication of education there is a there's a thin line between those two domestication and education the current education system for most people and I, that's an obvious upgrade. There's like no obvious. There, there's no shortage of upgrades for the public school system right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy you're aware of that and talking about it and exploring. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that being like, w- why not? We could. Everyone can learn math together, but the focus being who's best at what and yeah. to encourage them to do that. You might find a math wizard, or you might find like an orator, or you might find a dancer. Right. Rather than everyone sitting in like stalls, like sitting, it's so domesticated. It's racing to finish their math <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. Is that um? I'll ask a question about breaking normal and tribe design. Like, I know we've talked about your plans to, or your desire to like have a almost a permanent community for it or a permanent place. Like, what is what's your like if you could create it right now like what's your ideal situation for like that place does it have schooling there like how large is this community is how permanent of a place is it that sort of thing awesome all right that that since we're right at the at 111 mark this might be kind of the cherry on top of this communication yeah. and thanks for asking that question it's and so cause relevant because my the reason for asking is like that's kind of my dream too is like i i work in real estate right now real estate lending and I'm very involved with developers and people who are creating properties and it comes up more and more as like why is people are wanting to create different types of communities, like different spaces, different shape, different environments for 
people to live in better ways and that's kind of my dream that's what I, I know I'll be doing in the future is like creating these places and so yeah I'd love to hear what your ideas are for okay got it it's coming it's coming yeah. thanks for asking this question all right I would say max 150 like accommodations for 150 at one time that mm -hmm. sounds like a solid start right there but accommodations that could be there's options for having complete privacy and there's always an option for a shared space. Right. Um, that's important. Um, having our own, not no na nothing disturbing, yeah, somewhat remote. <laughs> Doesn't need to be in the jungle all the way and no who knows where, but somewhere there's not going to be disturbing another homeowner association of sorts. <laughs> Whether it's because smoke from a campfire or a m music from a dance fire. Or some nice catharsis. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we got the cops called on us once in Sedona. <laughs> really? And it was after Deanna's cacao ceremony. And, yeah, there was a lot of catharsis. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. It was so opposite because in Montana, this is so fascinating. In Montana, the beginning of the Breaking the World book talks about how we got pulled over by cops in Montana. And they thought we were doing something so suspicious. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're just here having fun telling the truth that's like that's what the retreat's about bro like come on <laughs> and he thought we were like under some chinese tourist expedition <laughs> undercover like avoiding taxes or some crazy crap and in sedona when i like the cops came <laughs> i was like yeah no one he he was like yeah we heard people were like screaming like they got murdered and like yeah no one died uh, literally there was and i like and i'm realizing like in sedona the cops like knew exactly what i was talking about yeah. they're like oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, like yeah, we're doing like some ultra spiritual retreat out here <laughs> we just have one question was this a spiritual event yes yeah. or no no, yeah okay yeah yeah it was definitely a different one it kind of represented the energy of different the different places mm -hmm. so anywho beyond that rabbit trail um somewhere yeah 150 people that can be they could sleep next to each other there could be bunk rooms there could be rooms where just one other person and there could be privacy all options are available mm -hmm. and even outdoor living like if there's outdoor like yurts mm -hmm. teepees yeah. or just sleeping on a roof or something like that outdoor living for yeah. sure is an option as well sure. fires are definitely an option <laughs> and a source of water is definitely desired right. some source of water that people could drink out of mm -hmm. and bathe in gloriously like like a baptism bathing like this is yeah. some of the best water on earth um yeah also away from noise pollution and light pollution i once again i don't mind being like 30 minutes from an airport but i'd rather not hear the planes mm. and i'd rather not have the light be block like the light pollution or some sort of city pollution um blocking the clear view of the, the galaxies mm. And, uh, man, if there was a way to see a sunset and or sunrise from the property, that's ideal. Mm -hmm. Both, then we're really talking. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... But a hot springs. Yeah, hot springs, yeah, that's a bonus. Like, if we're going to talk about sources of waters, a hot springs and a cold river would be both. If we had both of those, as I say that, one hour and 11, let's do that. Download train. Um, Any UFO yeah. landing pads? <laughs> Nuclear fallout shelters? Not necessary. Not necessary, okay. but I do like the idea of it being a secure place, not like a place that is very, very prone to fires or other natural disasters. Right. Yeah. Just some sort of like the, the land feels secure. Mm -hmm. Like not like an Encinitas bluff side, 
<laughs> as much as as much as like uh, a New Mexico canyon. Yeah, not much can touch you there. <laughs> yeah, there that, that so that's fine being remote. Oh, and seasonal, seasonal where it's not um, where every season is Exists. desirable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where every season is desirable. I see. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, 42 acres might be nice. Okay. At least, minimum. Oh, and then, yeah, something where you can garden and or hunt mm-hmm. once again. That would, like, close to some sort of hunting land, fishing land, and or it's good for farming. Right. My greenhouses, you know, they're getting fancy these days. Definitely. And then do you, these 150 people... Who would live here? Mm-hmm. Do you envision them like mm. being full time, or is no? I envision a mi- a month minimum mm. for most people. For most people, for like if you're getting a bigger house, this is like a month house. Yeah, if it, maybe there's a place for more people that are in a membership and they are like bouncing from this property to the other one. Yeah, Pre- yeah, that's that, good. Yeah, that's a theme that like people who are thinking along this lines. That's kind of a theme of like having five or six, seven of these places around the world, mm-hmm. and you have a membership, and you kind of one month, two month here, then you go to the next one, mm-hmm. next one, kind of hop around. Very, very doable for digital nomads and people like yourself who have, can work from anywhere, hold retreats anywhere. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you speaking to you and anyone listening, oh, I definitely think that I have the ability to catalyze this successfully happening. It's more of a matter of us aligning with that initial prototype property. Mm-hmm. And I think your the question has catalyzed a pretty accurate response. I think I pretty much covered the major bases. I think you did. I would yeah, something fresh too, and not moldy. Like that's another, you mm-hmm. know, no hazardous health. Like right. this is crisp living. Oh yeah. This is crisp living. This is, we're here to, live, to, to thrive, kind of space. Mm. And it doesn't need to be fancy though. That doesn't mean it needs to be expensive either. It could be made out of hemp. Like, yeah. yeah there's. Mm-hmm. Simplicity, simplicity is beautiful. There's some of the best places. I, one of the best homes I've been in was at the Earthship in Taos, New Mexico. I've heard of that. And I interviewed the guy that did. He's like the founder of. That's a great podcast. I just listened to part of it recently, but um, with Mike Reynolds, and that that's an awesome home. That's an awesome way of architecture. And we've gone over the time limit, so that's a good sign. Anything else you want to share before we um, go to dinner? Well, since we talked a lot about cults, there was a good question that you asked me is, that I'll ask people listening, is are you in any cults? Or are you, are you aware that you may be in a cult? How do you feel about that? And did you choose to be in this cult? And do you want to continue to choose to be in this cult? Remembering our definition of cult as like a shared system of beliefs. Hmm. Yeah, that's some good dessert to chew on right there. Thanks for asking those questions. Yeah. All right, y'all, keep asking questions. Keep asking them, and I, 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 we all enjoy the answers sometimes Jobless. too. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. 